Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to another episode of Boots, Balls, and Bras. And today we have a really special one. Unfortunately, Eartha won't be joining us because she is somewhere in the Pacific on an island, can't get Wi-Fi. But instead... Wait, we in the village instantly <laughs> by her grandparents. So she FaceTimed me the other day. And yeah, I mean, pretty cool to be out there. So that's why she has no reception, Bex. There's one little bar out there where you get like internet and it either it either works or it doesn't work. So so pretty much she's out there on, on the, in the little village in St. Lucia. Pretty cool. Nice. Um, and instead... Or in addition to, because Earth is here in spirit, we have the incredible ultimate, when I say women's football, when I used to say women's football or female footballers 10 years ago, there was only one name that people knew, and it was Rachel Yankee. Oh, <laughs> the crowd goes wild. Why, thank you. That's very cool. Um, yeah. Be wherever is though. <laughs> yeah, I know. In a bit of sun, tell me about it, Yanks. <laughs> oh, so good. All right. Well, let's launch into it. We um we had some cool results with the UEFA Women's Champions League. Uh, namely, Bayern lost three zero to Barca. We know Barca is really strong, but that was quite a quite a big gap actually. And then we had a couple other interesting ones. Juventus tied Arsenal, Roma tied Wolfsburg, Chelsea beat Madrid 2-0 and Benfica beat Rosengard 1-0 as well. Going back to the Barca-Bayern game, were you guys surprised by that result? I was, to be really honest. I thought Bayern has done a really good job of investing, um, have a great squad this season, uh, a mix of old and young. And I mean, Barca we know is really strong, but I still thought that was, yeah, quite a gap. I, I mean, I was I was surprised by the the scoreline. Um, I mean, I'd said the week building into it that Kira Walsh would have been cup tied if you because she'd obviously played in previous rounds for Manchester City. Clearly, she wasn't, and I made a, a huge mistake in saying that. But um, yeah, I mean, that addition to, to the Barcelona team in, in Kira Walsh and, and their midfield, um, I said I was looking forward to her playing up against Stanway. Uh, they did that. And Barcelona just dominated the game, and as I said, I think yeah, surprised that it was that much of a gap between the two the two teams. I certainly thought the gap was closing in Europe with with those top teams from from those top leagues, um, but the gap seems to be stretching from Barcelona and everybody else uh, at the minute. So yeah, mm. there'll be. I mean, I mentioned Wolfsburg, didn't I, at the beginning that I thought they were going to win the Champions League, but Barcelona just look untouchable at the minute. Yeah, I'm still sticking with Wolfsburg, but. The way Barca are playing, both in the league, I, I just say Wolves, but, but yeah, Barcelona, the way they're playing in the league, yeah, Champions League, they're, they're going to be a tough one to break down. Rach, did you get a chance to watch the games or like with your little Baba and your other kiddo? Yeah, no, I don't get a chance to do much, <laughs> um, to be honest. Um, but no, I just look at like Bayern and, and wonder whether it's, you know, you look at the, the gulf between, obviously, that scoreline. That, that was a surprise to me. But I think, is it because they're in the league? There's really just Bayern and Wolfsburg, um, with no disrespect to other, other teams. But they're the teams that have the most investment and probably are fighting for the title, where I know it's, it's similar in the Spanish league, but is it because you're not coming up against competitive teams that often then when you meet someone that it's a challenging game, it's, you know, if, if you're not... 100% and you have an off day, then it could really be a bad score like, like that was. Mm. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, it's a, it's a good good question too. And it's like you said, it's really cool to see Lucy Bronze and um, Kira Walsh in that team and integrated so well into it. Also, do you know, the goals that Barca scored were unbelievable goals as well. So I think that's, it wasn't like they outplayed Bayern 3-0, I don't think. It was really some of those goals were like, they should be getting the Puskas award. 
um, that amazing. So, you know, just the moments of bril bril brilliance. Um, what day is it today? Yeah, Tuesday morning, cool. Wednesday morning. Um, I think was like some of the difference, but Juventus Arsenal, I also thought was quite surprising. One, one, I said that last week that I think Juventus is a team that is, um, has done a lot of investment. They're looking to change their commercial structure. And the fact that they could sell Lena Hurtig was the first sale that they sold to, to Arsenal. They, that's a huge shift for that club. So I'm not too surprised that they got a draw with a team like Arsenal. Do I think that they're better than Arsenal overall in the whole competition? No. But um, yeah, I was kind of excited to see that. I know you guys probably are a little bit less excited, but yeah, I like, I like I to see where the investment is making an impact, you know? I just yeah. think the, the, the game come at the wrong time for Arsenal. I think we've seen Arsenal when they went out to Lyon and got that fantastic, fantastic result out there with a, with a full-strength squad. I mean, obviously, with, without the centre-backs, but they've lost Kim Little, they've lost, which for, for me is, is crucial in that team. You've got Vivian Miedema just returning from, from an absence. You know, she had a time away from the team. Beth Mead is just, you know, a long-term injury. Mm -hmm. They still have both centre-halves out. So I think that game has come at the wrong time. I think if Arsenal had their full full strength team, I don't think the recruitment of Juve would have made a difference to that game. I think that Arsenal would have beat them comfortably. But I think that that amount of players in top teams when you're playing in Europe is difficult to, to get results away from mm. home as well. So yeah, a real difficult um, result for Arsenal. Arsenal should have won, you know, given the game. I think they had chances where they, where they should have taken them. And if they did, the game would have been different. Um, but they got themselves back into the game. There was a game, there was a goal behind. Um, and was able to get back into the game. I think they'll be happy with. We love having babies on the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, it shuts me up anyway. I like the, I like the background noise. <laughs> I think they'll be happy to, to come away with a point having gone a goal behind away from home. Yeah, yeah. Rachel, what do you think? Yeah, no, I agree with you, Farah. Um, especially after the loss at the Man United in the, in the way that they lost against Man United, obviously in the dire moments, to then, you know, have to go away to Juve, pick yourself back up. You know, you've lost players, especially with the injury to Beth, um, you know, what that does mentally to everybody else, knowing knowing what that injury is. Um, so, so, yeah, I think a full-strength Arsenal team would be a lot different. Yeah. I love that the baby's agreeing with everything you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then we had Chelsea beat Madrid. I watched the game. I thought it was a pretty boring game, if I'm honest. Um, you know, I, th I think Madrid has some really good players. Uh, Chelsea, I don't know. I, I thought Madrid actually dominated in parts of the game. Um, and it was at Chelsea, which is always hard to come to. They, you know, they love playing Kings Meadow, despite it being very small and not necessarily a massive stadium. Um, thoughts on the Chelsea Madrid game? Rach, what did you think? Um, I didn't actually see it, uh, but the scoreline, obviously. I, th I feel like that's Chelsea's season, though. I don't think mm. that being, like, outstanding or, you know, being in some games haven't been that fun to watch, but they've come away with the result and, you know, you have to give credit to a team that does that. So, um, so yeah, I think Chelsea are just sort of rolling on and, and I suppose they've had players out, they've had the manager out, they've... They've probably gone through a lot. Um, so to just be able to churn out results um, puts you in a really good place. Mm. I feel like that's what's different, Yang, to them this year. Is that, I mean, I've been at a few of their games. I was even at the Tottenham game at the weekend and or the weekend uh, before the, uh, the, the Real Madrid game. And they're winning games and they're controlling games comfortably without being exciting. So they'll have moments of excellence. But in between that, it, you know, if you for a neutral, you, you'd think it's quite boring. But for them, you know, staying in control and, and dictating games is is a new way of, of, of how Chelsea are playing. I don't think they, they controlled games a lot. It was tra quite transitional at times. I think the way that they control the game now are completely different to what we're used to seeing. And, and as I say, a neutral would see it as boring when they're in possession and not really doing mm. much with it and picking their moments when to really penetrate. Um, so I think they found a different way. And, and and we've heard a lot, you know, there's been a lot of football. And I think controlling that intensity of the game is important when you have so many games back to back. And I think that is something that Chelsea have found a way of doing. So, yeah, as I say, I thought the same at the Tottenham game. You know, they beat them 3-0. But I was like, oh, it's a bit boring. But then I, you know, they completely was in control. They never looked like they were going to concede. And if that's how, you, you know, they're going to get players and see players through the game so that they can manage them for the next game.
I think it's quite impressive. So just lull the other team into falling asleep almost and then <laughs> score. <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's a controlled football. I, I like it. I mean, look, yeah. if you're so many, so many people now just want to see this, you know, the beautiful game and all this possession based football, whatever. I just think that they're smart in what, in what they're doing and their approach to games now. It's effective. And then Roma tied Wolfsburg. I thought that was really interesting. We did talk about that last week too, where I was talking about the Italian league and how it's shifting and Roma not really being on the scene. Tying Wolfsburg, that's huge. Um, they obviously played at home. And then Benfica beating Rosengord. I mean, when back when I was playing, it was Sweden was the top league. And then it became Germany. And then it's you know, now shifted a bit to NWSL in England. But Benfica from Portugal, Beating Rosengord, I mean that is that's a shift. I don't, and I don't know if that's systemic of what's actually happening in 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 Sweden. But um, it was nice to see because I was also the Benfica venue director last season for the UEFA Women's Champions League, so I spent a lot of time there. Um, and they have just a wonderful staff and a great group of people. So I was kind of secretly happy for them as well. Do you reckon it's because of the, the obviously Sweden we've seen in in a national team as well they're going through a, a, a transition off the back of the Euros some younger players coming through do you reckon that will similarly be the same in their league in terms of the transition of players in and out and and trying to strengthen through younger players that you know their 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 top teams like Rosengard because you know they were one of the teams back in the day that would really compete in the Champions League mm. so that is a, a huge shock result in terms of, you know, I'm saying Benfica, it's small in terms of the women's game to go yeah. and beat them. But even Roma, Roma, I mean, Wolfsburg aren't great at playing away from home in Europe. They seem to, you know, you saw them last season against um, Barcelona and then they come home and, and then they beat Barcelona yeah. and probably should have scored more goals. So they seem to struggle away from home in Europe. Um, but that was a shock result. So both of those results were, in, mm. terms, of, in, in terms of Europe, were, were real shock results. What do you think, Rach? Any comments? We can move on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't really care about the German league. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm good. Um, yeah. And then moving on to the FA Women's, it's really called the FA Women's Continental Tires League Cup, but what a mouthful. We call it like the FA Women's League Cup here. Um, they just had round three. And just for those who aren't from England, don't know what that is, it's a separate cup that's played during the season. It's composed of five groups. They normally have about four or five teams in each group. So there's 21 teams plus the teams that are in the Champions League. So the Arsenal in the beginning, Man City and Chelsea. Um, and then they come back into the tournament or the competition once they get knocked out of the Champions League. So we just had the um, the group stage round around three and uh, the next one will be round four in December. Um, not very many interesting or shocking, so absolute opposite of Champions League where shock results. Most of them were pretty expected um you know the the top teams wsl beat most of the championship teams the only thing i thought was really cool was that newcastle united had uh 28,565 i love when they do it down to the actual fan uh at their stadium in uh the cup game on the weekend which i thought was fantastic considering their championship club but um yeah any thoughts from you guys on that on the competition in general like do we need it it's one of those things where i always ask is it just something that fills the calendar and is adding more strain to players you know emma hayes mentioned that the calendar is really full that we have to prioritize safe like health of the players what do you guys think about it? you used to play in it what do you it's reckon the, rach i mean rach you want to you go or um yeah i think for me it's a cup competition and okay it's not is not the FA Cup. Um, I think that is still and probably always will be because of the association with, obviously, you look at the men's FA Cup and growing up as a kid, used to watch that on TV and then you mm. play in the women's FA Cup and you get into the final and what that means. But it's still a cup competition. I think, um, you know, whoever wins it won't be saying, oh, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. I, mm -hmm. I still, um, it's also an opportunity which most of probably the bigger teams use to you know, give minutes to other players, maybe, um, maybe sort of debuts to to, to maybe I don't know, academy players or players coming through. So, I, I still think it's it it should be it should be there. It's still for me um, a valued competition, and 
I get that some of the, the, the teams that are in Champions League would have a lot of games, but then as a player, surely you just want to play games. Um, <laughs> I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm totally wrong. No, I, yeah, you know what, I agree. I think, I know we moan about the amount of games. I think, to be honest, there's more international fixtures now than there's ever been before. So I don't even think it's too much the, 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 the club fixtures that are the problem. You think there's only, what, 12 teams in the league? So there's not that many games in the league to play. You know, you go on an FA Cup run, you, you know, there's not, again, there's not, if you get to the final of that, what, you play five, six games total? So there's not, I just think the congestion of international fixtures between the league and then obviously the cups that we have, is, is probably more of a problem. We're probably playing more international fixtures now in a, in a calendar year than we ever have done before. So I think that, and obviously time away doesn't help the travelling yeah. in between those international fixtures. As for that competition, you think of the likes of like, you know, the Leicesters and the the um, Reddins, the teams down at the bottom, the Brightons, where they need to get a little bit of momentum, a little bit of confidence. Playing those games are important for them. You know, they go into a league that is, you know, dominated by the top teams. You, you know, every week they're, they're probably getting beaten or, or you know, really, really struggling to get any sort of result against them. So to go and play against a championship team where they can really compete, they can find their way, their style, implement things, score goals and get that confidence. I think it's important. And also for those championship teams to, to challenge themselves and actually see where they're, as, they're at as a club. You know, they really test themselves when they come up against WSL1. They want to prove that they can play against the best players. And, you know, for some of them, it's their idols. You know, they get to play against international footballers in that competition. So I think the competition is important. I used to, when I mm. when I played in it, I really enjoyed it. It was a, a bit of a relief from, from playing in the league. Um, and you can, yeah, go and enjoy it. And, and as I say, you saw mm. some of the results at the weekend. Reading, you know, winning. 3-0 and you saw Brighton beat, you know, uh, London City Lionesses who were sitting second. I think Bristol City lost who were top of their championship as well. So they they lost. So I think it was a, a good weekend in terms of, you know, teams that don't really get to to score many goals or, or get those those winning results to have a yeah. little bit of confidence. So I, I, like, I, I do like the cup. And look, I think they're announcing a big stadium for the final. They're about to announce one Wednesday, five o'clock. So... Nice. I think I think if they name a big stadium, I think the incentive then to go and play at a, a big stadium in the Conti Cup final is huge. I think that's what the women want to do. I think when you play at those small stadiums, there's not really that much motivation in, in that cup. I think if they name a big stadium, you'll soon see uh, the mentality shift within that competition. Mm. And the final is the 4th to 5th of March next year um so yeah interesting one on on that because there is a lot of discussion about that but really cool to hear the the player's perspective of you know the differences hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. All right, well, that wraps up our first half of Boots, Balls, and Bras this week. And now we're going to get into our halftime team talk. And, Rach, this is – or Yanks. Yeah. I don't know which one to call you. This is where <laughs> this is why we had you on here because we, we really wanted to talk about motherhood, speaking of the little bubba in the background. And mm -hmm. what does it mean to be a player during your career looking at if you want to become a mother, whether you have children or not, um, and then looking after, like post-career, if, if players felt like they had to wait or, um, you know, what is the standard right now globally? What's going on with that? And we just thought you'd be a great one because you have two little bubbles of your own who are now almost a ye year. And how old is your other one now? Yeah. Five, six, yeah. 
Amazing. <laughs> you what, sorry? Farah's good. She knows the ages. <laughs> <laughs> She's trying to become their godmothers. How did you how did you feel, Rach, when you were playing? Like, did you want to have kids? Have you always wanted to have kids? Did you and, and if so, did you feel like you had to wait or you wanted to wait? Or what, what was your sort of experience? Um yeah, I, I think I always um I always wanted to have kids. Um I suppose I I roomed with, with Mary Phillip for a large portion of my career who had um, two, two boys, um, you know, growing up and, and sort of saw how she sort of dealt with it. And I think, well, everybody's different, but Mary just sort of, Mary being Mary just sort of got on with life and just, yeah. I, I feel once I'd had my children, I felt guilty that I wasn't more supportive to Mary. Um, mm because I thought it must have been really really difficult for her to go away like internationally even you know club games where you're you're traveling you know from London up north spending a night away um just not so much her like missing her kids but just the organization of like yeah. making sure that somebody's there to look after them you know everything's you know that they they were looked after they're eating there um <laughs> so I the support of her family was was a key component to her continuing. Um, I know that when I'd spoke to her, she once she'd had um, her eldest, she wanted to to go back into football, and that was something, you know. Again, her family really supported her with, and and also the team manager, at, I think it was Millwall she played for then, was really supportive. So. But then I look back later on when we're going to like World Cup, especially 2007 in um, in China. I know, yeah. You know, her eldest, I'm sure, was starting high school. And that's like a big moment in anyone's life. And she wasn't there. Um, mm. So for her, I know that she would Skype them and, you know, talk to her kids all the time. But I don't think I really understood like maybe mentally how much she must have been going through mm. um, but you'd never tell with Mary she was just like matter of fact get on with it <laughs> um, which was great um, I know obviously Katie Chapman was another um, player that had children um, I think her son uh, came out to the World Cup obviously with um, with her partner um, so he was there and she felt that she needed that um, which which was cool but I still don't think there's as a team we supported her, but I don't think, unless you've got children, I don't think you actually fully understand. So I don't blame us for not really supporting or, you know, wanting to be there. Um, but then I look at the Americans um, mm. where they had nannies and their children were just part of their team. And there really wasn't a problem because, you know, what I mean, there was points where it was like, okay, you know, uh, Kate child needs to be out of the hotel or needs to go home where really he should have just been in with us yeah. I don't think any player would have felt any way about having a child there it probably makes the atmosphere even nicer mm -hmm. um, but you know there was always that barrier and I don't think that there was enough support given to those two players I mean I could be wrong um, yeah. but from the way I look at it I don't think there was enough support so it just yeah. leads me to ask questions about, you know, what's happening mm. now and, and is there enough support? I know that in the contracts there's, you know, maternity rights and, and everything like that. But, you know, what happens after um, post-pregnancy? What happens before? And I know Tony Duggan spoke about there being procedures in place, which you think, come on, we need to get to grip to it. But now there has mm. to be procedures that, you know, if you're a player and you either want to get pregnant or you you, you find out you're pregnant, mm. that there's not a fear to speak to to the club um, about it, a fear about losing your contract or losing your place within within the team. So, mm. yeah. Just a quick question. So you said, did did the coaches make the players have their kids outside? Like, so the kids were not invited; they were not allowed in your team environment. Is that? Yeah. What you just no, said. I think, no, no, no. Sorry, oh. um, no, no. Yanks. If you think about it, they wasn't. They was allowed maybe after dinner time in the evening yeah. for a couple of hours, and then they would have to leave the hotel. Yeah, so they yeah. wasn't. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, so not in like a team meeting or anything like that. But they was allowed around the 
you know, when we were eating or, or basically she would go to, I don't know, the lobby or whatever and, you know, yeah. go, go and sit with her family. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to be honest, is that good enough? And like, yeah. just, I, I don't think it is, but I don't think any of us really thought about it at that time because mm -hmm. you're not a parent, you've just got your own things going on and you don't, you don't really think, actually, that's not right. Like this kid needs his mum. Um, yeah. you know, it's interesting that you say that because I'm, I'm I'm thinking back to now when we were in the squads and we was away and, and, and you know, them tournaments were, were long and hard for, you know, just us being away from friends and family, let alone having a kid and being a, being a mother. Um, but as you said, we probably, as young players or whatever, or, or, or young adults, didn't understand or realise no. actually what Mary, for example, or Katie Chapman were going through during those times because for us it wasn't normal for English players to have babies and be looked after because it wasn't. It was like it was seen as like as though they shouldn't have done it because they're letting the team down for doing that and they're you know mm. they're out of the squad now for you know 18 to, to, to 20 20 months and so you know they're key players which we need and that's how it was looked at. It was it was frowned upon, you know, if you're gonna go and do that and you know if you're injured you can't help it. But you, you know for it was seen as pregnancy you're planning and you know you're gonna be out for a long time and there definitely wasn't support then, you know, for players. And, and thinking about it now as an adult that understands, and I'm not a parent, but I certainly know, you know, my brothers and sisters, they have kids and I know how hard parenting is. There needed to be more support then, you, you know, and and there wasn't. But even now, you, you know, I'm thinking what we're 2007, so we're a good 15 years on from that. And I still don't think things have changed massively. And no. I know that you talk about FIFA, UEFA, whoever it is, has put these stuff into contracts. You know, I know players that have recently been pregnant and, you know, haven't had a great time with, with that in terms of their clubs, their contracts, their renewals of contracts and, mm -hmm. and what it does to their renewal in terms of, you know, you know because you've, you, you're you having a baby or whatever, your contract now is decreased because, you know, you might have another baby. So therefore, you know, can we trust that you're not going to go and get pregnant again? Um, <laughs> We can't laugh, trust you. We laugh, but for these players and these these parents that you know need need contracts, you know they need stability. All of a sudden, your contracts lowered in terms of the the amount of years you get. The contract in terms of the salary is lowered because of that. I think it's it's disgusting. In my opinion, it's disgusting the way that they're treated, and and that's not for every club. I don't know how every club works, and obviously depending on the club and depending on your, your coach or how supportive the club are will depend on how you are treated. And that will be different across the board. It will be different across all the leagues in Europe and in England. Mm. But there needs to be something in place to give, you know, uh, mums or whatever, or, or, or these women, whether they be young or at the, at the latter stage of their career, the support that they need, especially first-time parents. Yeah. You know, there's nothing in place to help them. You're going into a train. You've heard Tony talk about it, and, I, and I'll give her a game. You're going to be training throughout your pregnancy. Is that right? You know, no one knows what's right or wrong with doing so if you, if you ask, Farah, if you ask anybody that works for like the NHS, they would mm. say no. You, you not to train exactly. We're not pushing yourself to that extent, Yanks. Of course, yeah. I agree. So, I worry when I when they tell me and I see Tony. Like, I mean, I've never seen. As I say, I saw what Emma Mitchell was doing at Reading, and I was like, should you be running that much? Should you be lifting that amount of you know weight? And obviously, she's had a, a perfectly fine child, but it's still worrying that no one, there's no expertise in the game that. Even if there's just one, as we mentioned, with the PFA or, you know, whether it be at St. George's Park, that you can contact to go, yeah. should, I, should, should I or shouldn't I be doing this? And, you know, having spoken to uh, um, Tony Duggan, she was saying only that she's older now, more mature and, 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 you know, more comfortable with herself. Is she more outspoken about how she feels when she's told to do certain training, uh, when there's certain training requirements? If that was a younger player, that, as, you, as you mentioned, if they just fall pregnant at, say, 18, 19, are they brave enough, strong enough, you know, to be able to go to the coach, actually, I don't feel okay today to do it. Or do they, you know, or are they scared to, to, to say how they are actually feeling and, and then just go and do it because they feel it's the right thing to do? Mm, it's actually yeah. worrying that it's nothing in place. I mean, I, I was laughing too because it's ridiculous the mm. fact that you you say they can't trust you to get potentially get pregnant again. I mean, just that phrase is absolutely absurd. So that that is. Well, I was laughing, but I think um, if he, like you were mentioning, FIFA has put in these standards for maternity leave for contracts. But where is the accountability of that? You know, where is are people actually following? Are confederations enforcing it? Are federations enforcing it? Um, I don't see that. I don't see that happening. Uh, and it's really interesting hearing you guys talk because I obviously grew up mostly in the U.S. and a lot of my friends were the U.S. women's national team players. So. 
that, like you said, Yanks, Christy Rapone was one of my idols and, you know, friend. And we used to captain teams against each other, which was horrendous. Um, but she had three kids growing up and her husband was the stay at home dad. So he would come on tour and be with the kids and take care of the kids. And because she could earn the amount of money that she did, to support the family, but then they also had the support of all of these nannies on tour. And then another really good friend of mine, Shannon Box, also had a kiddo when she was still playing. So 2015 World Cup, you know, little Bubba running out on the pitch when they won the World Cup. I mean, those are moments that are absolutely incredible. I'll never forget her like coming over to me after the final, we were standing on the pitch and like handing me her little kiddo. And I'm thinking, what an experience, what a really fantastic, I get goosebumps like thinking about it, but, but it's I'm sad not that not all women can have that. No, because I think that's the difference in mentality from the US to, to, to England and to probably many other countries is that, um, you know, we're sort of seeing we're very old fashioned in terms of you go there, you train, children shouldn't be here. We're actually <laughs> like the men's game. I think footballers um, is the perfect place to actually have like children come in and a crash there because footballers usually finish quite early. Mm. You know, you have your children there, you change the whole environment. So men's and women's, I think that they're, 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 that's an environment where children would actually change the whole environment in terms of maybe releasing some pressure, making it a little bit lighthearted for players. I think there's so many, so many elements that that you could probably look at. Even myself, um, obviously I'm not playing, but the reason I didn't want to go back into like elite coaching is because how do I then, you know, I, I really enjoy coaching, but how do I work at an elite club? And mm. also I want to spend time with my kids. I want to look after my kids. How do you have both? And people will be like, yeah, but you can't have a kid and, and be in that environment. But really the environment, we need to look at it. We need to change because otherwise you lose, you lose people. Um, yeah. And like you were talking about the contracts, um, Farah, it's all subjective, the contracts. Do you know what I mean? If you're, depending on where you are in your career, if then you're an older player and you have a child. That's my point. Like, yeah, you might not get another contract and they could just say, oh, yeah, it's because you're not performing. It might be nothing to do with the child. But then you, you can't argue against anything because it's someone's opinion whether to give you a one-year or a three-year or a mm. whatever. And depending on what club you're at, would, I mean, I don't know, like, all the clubs, but mostly people are on, like, year-to-year -year contracts, um, especially, like, lower lower sort of, league teams or you know the, the contracts are not on like three five years whatever you know in terms of how we look at and you also your pay packet is not the same as like the male pay packet so you're gonna need to continue something I think I think there's just needs to be a lot more research done um, about you know before the, how do you ha open up those conversations? You shouldn't, there should be a process in place that you shouldn't have to open up that conversation. There should be a guideline there. Um, guidelines on how you train. Does every club have a full-time doctor that is qualified to talk in, in this? Um, <laughs> no. that, that's the point, mate, because in the women's game, you have to have a, obviously a full time doctor, but they only come in, in once a week. So they're not there hands on every single day, like in the men's game. So, yeah, there is a doctor that has to be, you know, you have to have a full time doctor. But what full time looks like in the women's game is, you know, I know at Reading we had somebody that came in every Tuesday afternoon for a few hours. Um, and I know, uh, you know, and, uh, having spoke to Tony, she had to then let the medical team know on the men's side before she even let her parents know that she was having a baby because there wasn't a full-time doctor and she would have had to have used a men's doctor had you know anything have happened so yeah there's definitely not full-time doctors that are there and every day that's a really good point too because the doctors have to be specifically trained in female issues in pregnancy issues in understanding the female body and the hormones which are completely different and i do a lot of work with the isokinetic medical conference guys and the lack of research that is out there for pregnancy and training is unbelievable and it has to change because like you said rach you're losing all of this talent i didn't i didn't feel comfortable having kids during my career i probably would have 
um, had I been had I felt like I had the support because why do you don't want to wait till your you know mid late thirties when your your eggs are fewer it's harder to get pregnant you're going to be you know an older mom like all of these things where it's everybody's choice how old they want to be but there are other issues as you get older as a woman as well it gets harder to get pregnant mm -hmm. so I think the lack of research is a huge issue and that absolutely has to change we have to push the medical industry to give these universal standards for athletes. And obviously everyone's gonna be different because you saw Cindy LaRue was running around like massively pregnant when she was about to drop. She was like, and most of the US women's national team, eight, nine, eight, eight and a half months, like still running around with this huge belly. And even I was thinking, is that healthy? But you know, for them, me, it, it was, me. it was fine. They, they clearly had some kind of support that was saying it's okay, yeah. right? And, and posting it everywhere. So they weren't hiding it. But you're right, there's not enough, is there? But also, I think you need to, like, in those circumstances, because I remember when Katie was pregnant, I think, with her second Chapman. child. Katie Chapman. Uh, Katie Chapman, sorry. Yeah. Her second child she, at Arsenal, and she was training. And it, yeah. and it was said that she was safe for her to train non-contact. But as a player that was training against her, um, and I know a lot of other people, I was just really worried. I mean, not that I was going to throw in any tackles or anything. <laughs> you weren't that kind of player. No, yeah. exactly. Um, I just felt like, what happens if I, I don't know, take a shot, it ricochets off someone and hits her in the stomach? Like, wait, I, wait, I did that. I did that with uh, Emma, Emma Mitchell. So we were in training and, I, you know, she wasn't even involved, but, I've, you know, I don't even know if I've hit a shot. I can't remember exactly. And it hit her in the belly. And you know that fear that just goes yeah. through you, like, oh my God, what have I just done? So you're right, you know, unintentionally, these accidents can happen, especially with a ball. Sometimes you hear, you don't know where it's going to come off. And it did, oh. it happened. And, you know, like, she was like, if anything, and I'm like, oh my God, like, what have I just done? And then you're so apologetic and there's nothing you can do. No. You've still got another six months until you find out. You know, <laughs> honestly, I was like, the fear, the fear oh, it gave me, honest to God, the fear that it gives you, you know, should you be put in that position no. um and obviously you know that player might want to continue training might want to do stuff but it's just the whole team environment but i think also a big one for me is like post-pregnancy like you know we've spoken about the nannies our team's cool with you know say if you're if you're breastfeeding then you you cannot just uh you know your baby needs to feed what mm -hmm. so in a team meeting what you're going to have to yeah. either leave the meeting or are, are people happy with you just breastfeeding in the meeting um you know what happens are these procedures in place clearly not is there rooms where people can go to to breastfeed and um i just think and also like who looks after if if you're if you're got an away game you you probably can't leave baby at home you're going to need yeah. to bring so I just think there's so many things um, and also depending on we, we we all talk about pregnancy like the perfect pregnancy but what happens if you have issues or problems um, what happens I, th I know there's is it like you get eight weeks afterwards um, that your your maternity leave you get to choose whether you're your 14 weeks when you when you want to leave them uh, use them but I think you get eight weeks afterwards um, that you can have maternity. This is the loudest you've ever been, child. Oh, I love, it. I love, oh, it. I love it. She <laughs> wants to participate. What does she have to say? What are you saying? He's huh? like, play, well, you should have play. Yes, you should play. <laughs> You're kicking me. Um, yeah, you're laughing. Um, <laughs> but like, what happens like if you have a C-section? Um, yeah. That's six weeks. You can't yeah. drive for six weeks. So you're, you're not going to be playing football in eight weeks later. So no. there's so many questions. I, I have so many questions. So I think there's a lot more research. But the thing is, Yangs, like this is something that needs to be dealt with sooner rather than later. We talk about the growth of the game and, you know, and it's great, obviously, with the women's Euros and, and winning it and bringing it home and, you know, everything that comes with that in terms of for those internationals. But it's it's bigger than that. It's bigger than England just winning the Euros. There's so much more to the game that needs to improve that, you know, needs to be implemented like ASAP, not, you know, two, three years down the line. These conversations need to be had now. There need to be stuff in place now so that, you know, our, certainly our game's in a safer place for the, for the well-being of players. It's not just about winning these trophies. They, you know, there has to be a, a safety element to the players and their health, Absolutely. which I don't think is in place and, and needs to be in place. People need to be, you know, they need to hear it. 
from people like yourself, Yanks or, or Tony Duggan or Emma Mitchell and different, you know, Katie Chapman, Mary Phillips. There's, there's loads that, that are now that have had kids, whether it's during or after the game. But I think that, you know, all of these uh, points are really important and need to be shared and, you know, things need to be put in place, certainly from uh, the Football Association. I think, you know, we if we if we lead it, I think we don't have to wait for you wait for FIFA to put these things in place. We should be doing it as a, a nation. And then obviously then the clubs should be then taking a the lead on that as well. No, yeah. I def definitely agree with you. Um, and also just a matter of inspiring people. People say you want to inspire a nation. Yeah. Well, actually, there might be young women out there that, or young girls that, you know, they know that they, they want a family. But if they look at football and go, well, actually, that means I can't have a family until I'm, you know, yeah. until I retire. Well, well, maybe that's not the... The thing for me so i think there's so many so many different levels um yeah and we in football could lead the way in these types of things it could lead the way in, in research sport, it could lead the way in women's sport and female like athlete health um because i don't see it being done anywhere and football is the number one participatory sport on the planet it's the biggest most popular sport on the planet why shouldn't we as football lead the way in mm -hmm. research of female health and being able to be pregnant and also not just the women that are having the kids you know a lot of like gay couples the other parents the other mother also struggles like you said you don't have the sleep you have the you know emotional stress and drain so that support also needs to be there as well which it could be you know a little bit different from the men's side um i had a when you're talking about um breastfeeding though yanks i i for, totally forgot that my, my best friend on the new zealand team simone ferrara now carmichael had her little one in 20, 2007 when we went to China. Um, and in the prep uh, for all of that, we ended up going to Papua New Guinea for the qualifiers. So she had to leave her seven-year-old at home, but she still wanted to breastfeed when she came back. So all camp, all trip, she was pumping. And I can't even like, and she was my roommate. So I, it was the first time I'd ever experienced like what pregnancy could be like where she was, she had boob leakage in her bra. So we talked about like the period panties that we're getting from Puma, which have <coughs> arrived actually, but like talk about boob leakage. She was like constantly, she couldn't wear certain colors because like, you know, you were like, is that sweat like what is that so was it massive education for especially the young players on our team but it was hard because she you know have the milk in her boobs and had to come and pump in between and she didn't even have the child there so there's so many so many elements but when you're expressing or you're breastfeeding then you need to take on more calories so who's advising these players how many calories they should be taking what they should yeah. eat your whole diet will change so and as a footballer you're going to need even more if you're training yeah. so there's so many things that, that need to be looked at the reason like you know a place in you know an environment that you actually can go to and you know be have a child and yeah. have there and then you know I, I i i can't see that i would be able to coach and like at an elite level and mm. still look after the kids in the way that I want to look after the kids. Mm. Everything would have to change, but then like, it means getting somebody else to look after your kids and there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not mm. my, so. Yeah. Do you think, would that change if you had more support like around you at a, in a work environment or do you just feel like that's the way you want to? No, I feel like there, there should be more support in a working environment because you think in, in like a football environment, you're you're out on the field, you're it's not a like a strict office, whatever. Yeah. No, you, they, I don't understand why you couldn't have children or a nanny come in or something like that in that mm. environment. And and also I think it the same like on the on the male side as well. Yeah. Like there might be guys out there same way you were talking about um you know in same-sex relationships where you know it, it, there's still an effect whether you had the child mm. it might not be the physical but um emotionally there's still an effect there's still you know stuff so yeah i'm sure it's the same with men and could there not be more support um in that footballing environment because if you've got someone that's happy off of the pitch feels valued, feels like they've, you know, they've got their family, they feel respected, 
then surely on the pitch they're going to give more. Yeah. Um, so that's the way I look at it: is that the sporting environment is the perfect place to to include um, children. But I, I might be totally wrong. It's just the way. No, I, I totally agree. I mean, the the vibe that they had on the U.S. women's national team because they felt like they were all parents of these kids. You know, all of them running around, and they felt like they had. 23 mothers and fathers and their partners were their parents as well. It was so nice. It was just such a nice family. And I definitely think it brings a fam, a team together more like a family when you have kids around. It's almost like Christmas is a thousand times better with kids. It's, it's I don't think there's any difference with between that and having kids on a team. So. Well, that wraps up our halftime team talk about motherhood with the one, the only Rachel Yankee. Um, so interesting. And I think the bottom line for all of us is we agree there has to be more support. There has to be more research going into understanding what it means to become a mother. All right. And on to our second half. Uh, obviously, if you haven't noticed, there's this whole World Cup going on in the background. And big, big shout out because it's the first time that we have female referees being used there's four referees at the tournament so far we've only seen them as the fourth officials but uefa and uh, all around the globe we're all really hoping that they get uh, a chance to get on the pitch and not just as a fourth official there's been some assistant refereeing going on as well have you guys seen that what do you guys think no i think it's look it's where it, we're going to get to a point aren't we in terms of like punditry and and officiating where you know you're just seen as an official or a pundit and not a female pundit or female official so mm. i think we when we get to that point we're in a really good place but <laughs> i think it's fantastic that we now you know a first major men's tournament have female representatives you know on the pitch in terms of officiating and and off the pitch in terms of studio and you know in the studio the other day i know there was an all-female uh, panel which is obviously again there, there's mm -hmm. progress there um Kazkani, uh, any and Seema the presenter so that was great to see that um at a men's world cup but but yeah soon we're going to get to a point where you're at a, you're at a tournament and it's not you know about your gender it's about you know the qualities that you possess and you know they get to you get to um to deliver them and I think it's great it's about time I think you know they're obviously at the top of their game and you know they wouldn't be there if they wasn't so is credit mm. to them and hopefully we see them running up and down the sideline or in the middle of the park soon. <laughs> nice. I lied too. It was six referees, sorry, six female referees um, for the first time ever at the Men's World Cup. Uh, and one of them was uh, Stephanie Frappart from France, who we've seen obviously in Europe, but uh, a Japanese There's a great picture one. of her and Ronaldo. Great picture of her and Ronaldo. Um, yeah. I've seen it all over Twitter, so it was a really cool picture of the both of them on the pitch, yeah. Nice. So we've, we had three we had three referees and then three assistant referees that are there from Mexico, Brazil, um, and yeah, the three main ones. And and just just if people don't know that, they still have to pass the same fitness tests as the men do as well, which I mean I think is an obvious statement. But uh, I think it's good. I think it's great because they need to be able to keep up with the game just as easily and just as well as um, anyone else that's on the pitch. But Rach, what do you think? Have you seen any of that? And to be honest, just as Farrah was said there, I actually didn't even notice. And nice. I took notice of it. And I've just, I did see female uh, fourth officials holding up the board, but I didn't take any notice of it. So, yeah, I think I've, uh, yeah, just, just accepted that they're just referees and knowing that they have to, you know, they have to go through the same uh, qualifications. They have to go through the same testing as as the guys do. If you're, if you're good enough, you'll be there. Um, I think it's, you know, that's just part of how it is. It's the same in, like, people always talk about, oh, when are we going to see a female coach a male team? Yeah. <laughs> qualifications i don't understand like the, for me there shouldn't be a barrier like it's just what people look at um but for me i didn't I didn't even really notice <laughs> great that's how it should be though i mean I yeah we've seen them on the sideline but for us it's normal it's yeah. not yeah. females that have been in the game and kind of had faced these barriers challenges throughout our careers seeing that on screen is normal you know we don't yeah. see it as gender so other people will be so it's great that they can see that there is female referees yeah. uh, there but for us Farah, when you look at it the the, the <coughs> female ones that have to be there 
are have to be so much better because you know you know yourself as a pundit you know you're going and talking about something someone's always waiting for you to to make a mistake so you've got to know your stuff you got to you got to work um probably your job is twice as hard um you know so you know if they if they're good enough they pass the the tests and the qualifications then yeah for me good good it should and she yeah, I think that's the, the right because it is double hard, and it, and it is for us as well. You know, we've played the game for a long, a long, a long time, right? And we have an understanding of the game, and we have an opinion of the game. Our game is a lot slower than than the men's game. That's just facts. So when you do go and watch the men's game, analyze the men's game, and talk about it, things are happening at a faster intensity than they do in the women's game. So you have to be clued in. You can't just go and talk about the men's game. You have to you have to know your stuff to do it. So when we are doing it, it's not easy to go and sit on a panel with men that have played the game, and, and it probably becomes or it is a lot easier for them because they see it earlier because they've played in it, they've got those experiences. So mm -hmm. it's the same for the referees. It's happening a lot faster in the men's game than it ever does in the women. So they have to be at the top of their game, and they're there for a reason. So they clearly are, otherwise they wouldn't be there. But the appreciation is understanding how much harder it is for a female to go into into a, you know into the men's game when everything is at a whole new level to the the level that we've you know played at in terms of intensity and obviously referees have refereed at in terms of that yeah and i guess the difference between the players and the referees as well because i completely agree it makes perfect sense that it is quicker is that a lot of these female referees are refing in the men's leagues in their domestic leagues and that's the difference between that's how they are getting these opportunities to be able to ref in the men's uh world cup and it's not not that different really from the venue directors that are managing the actual sites so back when i was at fifa you know i was training all these venue directors to do all the women's world cups. And I had the conversation with our men's world cup team. And I said, why can't these, these venue directors are incredible period. Why can't they be in the men's world cup? And in 2018, it was the first time that we saw two of our venue directors that had been trained through the women's game coming into the men's because I was like, they're, they're doing it anyway. You know, Priscilla Janssen's is working with UEFA on men's champions league, you know, and Joe Fernandez is, is running the league in, in Australia, men's and women. So why can they not be involved in football period? So yeah, no, it's, it's a good one. I think it's great. Just, you know, and kudos to you Farah for getting in there and having your say. And, um, and working with the men because it, it takes both ways, doesn't it? They have to also accept that you know your stuff and you have to prove, first of all, that you can talk the game, even though you haven't played it at their level. Uh, and they have to have that respect for you as well. So yeah, no, it's great, really good. All right, well, everything else going on in the World Cup is a lot on on pitch, off pitch. There's been some really crazy upsets, Argentina and Saudi Arabia and all kinds of fun things. It's been really interesting, I think, but um, yeah, we'll see We'll see how England goes. US play Iran as well. That's an interesting one. I have a hard one with that because I'm kind of really cheering for the Iranian men's team because of the stance that they're taking, supporting the women back home. And then, you know, just a shame that they have to play against the US team where, Oh, I mean, I have to cheer for them because, yeah, I was born there. So anyway, um, that's my thoughts on the World Cup. Any you guys in terms of like England or any other teams that you've seen or thoughts that you have, Rach, on, on the World Cup? Or have you been able to even see any of it with Bubba hanging around? Yeah, no, I've, I've been watching it. Um, obviously not not <laughs> not 100 percent. You always one eye somewhere else. But um, no, I've just enjoyed it. I think it's um you know, there's been there's been upsets, there's been surprises, there's been a lot of good goals. Um, so yeah, I've, I've 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 actually really been you know enjoying it. I actually turned the TV on this morning and thought, where's the ten o'clock? No, no, I did the same at ten o'clock. The last group stage, they were playing at the same time. I was like, what's going on? Last week, playing at the same time. I did the same. Glad I wasn't the only one. You know what? There's been no like. It's crazy because this is probably the first, you know, like every tournament that England are in, like I get hyped as a, you know, as every English fan does. And I'm like, they're going to bring it home. And you're going to have your parade, remember? Well, the this double is the parade. Tournament, this, is, this is the first tournament. I'm like, you know what? Nah, we're not good enough. That's it. Our chances last year in the Euros at home, blah, blah, blah. So I've kind of been like played it down. But actually watching the Euros, I'm like, sorry, watching the World Cup, I'm like, there's no standout team. Mm. And like, the more I'm watching it, I'm like, and I said it before Ooh. the tournament because I went to an insurance, you know, where they where they predicted the winner. And I was like, OK, England are going to win it. So I've said it outright from the beginning. I'm like and I'm starting to believe it as a tournament. <laughs> like, because I'm like, there's no one that 
it is like standard. Don't get me wrong, Mbappe for, for France at the minute, unbelievable. Mm. He's a difference in that team. And Dembele on the other side. But I'm like, there's nobody that I'm like, England can't beat these. So I believe mm. that we can beat every team in this tournament. And I know, look, the attacking line of, 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 of Brazil, everyone's going on about it. But we've seen their, their, their games of late. They're not scoring many goals. They're not creating that many chances. So Neymar's who injured. England, who do England have to fear at the minute? We have an, an unbelievable attack ourselves. And if, if Southgate believes in it, I think we can certainly go on and win it. I think if he, you know, if he goes with the mindset that we need to attack and, and, and continue with this 4-3-3, I think we've got a great chance. I don't want to go back to a five. <laughs> five, five. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Well, we'll enjoy the rest of the World Cup as it comes. Um, a few things that we were thinking of this week, because there's been a couple things that have happened in the women's game that have left us feeling just a bit sad and felt us feeling like we wanted to send some really good vibes their way. One mm -hmm. is Beth Mead's tore her ACL. So, I mean, if I hear one more player tearing their ACL, again, going back to the research and the preventative care that female athletes get, it's just unbelievable. Um, but anyway, sending all of our love and, and good vibes to Beth Mead. Uh, and then the second one was Nadia Nadim, who, if you don't know her story, you have to you have to listen to her story. You have to look her up. She is a refugee from Afghanistan. Her mom um, smuggled all the kids, five girls over to Denmark. They thought they were going to England after their father was killed by the Taliban, uh, ended up being in a refugee camp in Denmark, uh, just across from uh, a football uh, pitch. And that's where she started playing and became a professional footballer and is, you know, arguably one of the world's top players, uh, has just come back from an ACL injury herself. And her mom very, very devastatingly was killed by a truck on her way back from the gym. So really we wanted just to send all of our love to someone like that who's a superhero yeah agree Get emotional no that you know both both of those you know very sad and, and for, for Nadia I mean to, to to be at a world cup to be a pundit which is what she was going to be doing and to get that devastating news before you go live I mean it, it shows the strength of her and, and probably the strength that her mum gave her I know she went back and she's actually come back. I, I read recently she's come back to the tournament, you know, to continue her, her, her punditry duties because that's what she felt her mum would want her to do. So, I mean, the strength that she's shown, and as you mentioned there, like, you, you know, sending love, you, you know, to her and her family and during, you know, what is her horrific time mm. for them. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree. I was just, I was so shocked when, when mm. I saw it. I just... I can't imagine what she's she's going through, but you know, um, you know, sad news. But you know, for her to keep strong and go back out there mm -hmm. and do it, you know, send their love also to Beth Mead. You know, send her love as well. Hopefully, well wishes that she she gets back and a, and a strong recovery. But yeah, both of them. It's just it's not nice to hear, but you mm. know, hopefully they'll you know they'll get through. Yeah, and and they they know they have a lot of support from the community around them. Um, but not to end on that note, because we had a winner, a former lioness, who many people don't know what this show was about me, one of them, before I moved to London. What? Um, they throw a bunch of celebrities in a jungle and they call it, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, make them eat all kinds of disgusting <laughs> crap and do weird <laughs> things to get challenges to get stars so that they can, you know, and then the the audience obviously votes on who gets to stay and who gets to go. And this year, guess who won? Farah, your buddy? Mate, my roommate, queen <laughs> of the jungle, Jill Scott. Oh, unbelievable. You know what? It's For me, it was so tough. You know, like when, once a lineup come out, I was like, right, I need to get to the bookies and get a bet on because nobody knows Jill Scott. So my thought, I was like, I'm going to make some money on this girl. <laughs> I was like, nobody knows Jill Scott. I know Jill Scott really well. And I knew that once the, the nation had seen Jill and her personality, she would be a winner. They'd, mm. they'd, they'd, take, they'd take to her straight away. So I was like, can I get the bookies the week before once the lineup was out and get some good odds on her? Because <laughs> as I said, once the nation seen her, I knew she'll be favourite. I couldn't find any odds anywhere. No. The Sunday night when when it launched and they, and they saw Jill and and you know everything about the show and how she was perceived is Jill Scott. That is just her to a T. Like there was nothing fake about what Jill did. That is just her and what you have to put up with every single time you're in her company. <laughs> and then I goes to the bookies. 
the, you know, the, the, the morning after that, when the, the, the opening show on the Monday, and she was evens. So she was like, favorite oh. to win. And I was like, I Already? can't put a tenner on this. I'll only be getting a tenner back. <laughs> <laughs> so I was devastated. But you know what? She was unbelievable. And I think, you know, certainly would have made her family super proud. I think the way she come across and, you know, how everybody, every campmate spoke about her is how all of us, you know, teammates that have played alongside her throughout her career would have said. And that's just the person that Jill is. And I'm just glad that the nation got to see, you know, Jill Scott for, for who she is. And it's fantastic that she, you know, she's won it. Yeah, definitely. I have to agree. It's funny because when I was told that she was going on it, I went, she's going to win that. I know. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, Jill's won that. It's See, normal, right? <laughs> no, it could have been whoever in it. I was just like, oh, Jill's won. Uh -huh. um, so, yeah, just, do you know what? I actually, watching the final bit, I actually got a little bit emotional, mm. more emotional and felt more than I did when the team won the Euros. <laughs> no, you did no, not. No, too bad. Why? Why? Just because it's Jill, it's like mm. Jill would give her last penny to someone. Yeah, like she's just mm. such a nice person, and everybody's saying that you know she's got a good soul, and that that is Jill. And just to see that, you know what, like what will come next. Mm. I, you know, I hope she's ready for it. But I, I just wish her the best of luck because I just think you know what she's been through some like tough times in terms of like traveling from Sunderland, playing for Everton, like back and forth like all the travel expenses, everything that she would have done, playing at England. You know, she'll always tell you that she didn't believe that she was the best footballer. She was a very good footballer. Yeah, she was. Um, yes, she you was. Know, she'll always play that down. But I was just like, do you know what? I'm so made up for her. Like winning the Euros, I was so obviously happy for the team and for what it's done. But I was so happy for her and Ellen White because they've been there for for many many years before but this i was just like yeah i was i was i was like oh this is this has made my day yeah. <laughs> hey she deserves it i mean as i say you can't it's try it's hard to try and find the words that you know to say about jill like as you say like you ask any teammate you know if you're going to war who are you going to take everybody throughout the you know the time of playing with jill would have said jill she just brings as you said she'll work super hard for you she'll give you her last bit of food or you know as skinny as she is and i know she'd have been starving in there she was prepared to give owen her last bit of food and, and that is the type of person that jill is she'll give everything to everybody she's really uncomfortable with with praise and people giving her things and you could see that you know and, and i know that firsthand being a roommate she hates being in the limelight but she's an unbelievable character i think you know what Yanks, I don't know if you were the same, but watching her, like, you know, like, I don't know, say they brought back the stars and she does a little robot-y type. And I'm like, I just know she's going to do it. Like, I can pretty, I can already predict she's the one-liners. I'm like, you already know, you're like, oh, Jill Scott, one of them again. Like, you know that she's going to say them. You can predict it before it even come yeah. out of her mouth. She's, like, she's so sharp. Like, yeah. Yeah, you know, really. like, little one-liner. She's so quick off the mark. Witty. Um, yeah, like, but, like, I was watching it with my partner he, and he was like, why is she dancing? Does she? And I'm yeah. like, <laughs> time. I was like, this is what she would do in the change room. Like, I mean, you finish a meeting or a team talk, and Jill's like, you know, so I, that, I was like, that's why she's not putting this on. Yeah, and I was right. like, yeah, I, I just thought that 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 made it for me is that mm. Jill, Jill there that everybody saw is Jill. Um, she right. was trying to be anything else although i didn't hear people complain about how messy she is oh my I'm god i was but it's a messy i was thinking the camps you know how can you make a, a, a jungle tidy yeah. i was thinking the same she's okay. lying in dirt maybe that's I, why i would always say uh, stand with you all her mess everywhere I know. <laughs> so messy. Yeah. I mean, she belongs be in the jungle there you go fair, that's yeah. why when you watched her doing the food she looked untidy trying to chop the food <laughs> <laughs> she can make herself look untidy for sure she's funny oh yeah. it's great it's, it's so good so good well yeah i mean even having played against her for so many years she was one of those players where you still liked her you know like didn't mm. really like the england team no offense but i mean no, Rachel, i didn't like right. No, nah, I hate playing against her. She's got long go-go gadget legs. Tell and me about it, man. I'll still I'll never forget like one of my least favorite moments ever, ever in all of football. My whole career since I was five was 2011 World Cup when we were leading and it was 1-1. Then you guys came back. 
And then all of a sudden this bloody cross comes in from the right and Crouchy, who we used to call her Crouchy, <laughs> climbed above me and just like nodded it in. And I'm standing there in the middle of the pitch going, I can't believe that just happened. And then obviously when I had her on the Players Podcast, she remembered it and nonstop witty, bloody comments about how she scored against us in that World Cup. Um, but yeah, still, I still liked her. Mm. Says I something. hope we get invite to the um, homecoming party of Queen of the Jungle. I'm just waiting for my invite to come to the door. So <laughs> better, you know, these all these strikes with the Royal Mail, they need to get this uh, invite through my letterbox. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lovely. Well, congrats to Jill Scott from all of us here at Boots, Balls and Bras. Look, that's that's all we've got time for. But Rach, thank you so much for coming on. Like seriously, such an interesting chat about motherhood and just to hear your thoughts. And uh, I hope you can stay involved in the game despite feeling that you don't have that much resource because your knowledge and everything that you've brought to the women's game throughout has just been absolutely amazing. And not just in England, you are known, you know, I knew of you in, in the US and in New Zealand and little kids everywhere know your name. So you are a really important role model and figure for this sport. So thank you so much for the coming on. The only name we knew, the only name. Yeah. <laughs> it was though, wasn't it? Like legit, she was the only one. All the guys that I ever spoke to in England, they were like Rachel Yankee. Rachel Yankee. In fact, one of the guys booed. My agent just Marcus is sat here, he's like, yep, Rachel Yankee. So yeah. like, see everybody. all the guys. I had one uh, one guy used to work. She was no, no, she doesn't agree. <laughs> doesn't agree. No, no, she does agree. She does agree. Yeah. There was one guy, um, he was a, a guy I used to work with, Vooch. He was like, man, do you know Rachel Yankee? She used to be, she used to go to my school. And one time I was in the cafeteria and I was standing behind her in line. <laughs> and I was like, is that actually your story about like, are you actually that obsessed with Rachel Yankee? And he's like, he's got millions of followers. And I mean, he's a huge influencer. And he was like, I stood behind her Thanks for fame. in the lunch line. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. All right, guys. Well, that's it from Boots, Balls, and Bras for this week. Again, as always, send us all your comments. Let us know what you guys think. We really want to hear from you. What other topics do you want to hear? Who do you want us to have on? Thanks again for another awesome week. Thanks for listening. Rach, Farah, you guys are awesome. See you next week. Bye, Bye Bubba. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>